Welcome to Nuanced Beauty. This podcast is intended to be a spot where my husband Bill and I will capture some complex thoughts and challenge us to hold to our opinions loosely so that we can see the beauty in others and the beauty in ourselves. I want to challenge us to dive deeper into those everyday topics and those sticky topics that we might shy away from or we might bulldoze over others with our opinions. Because I think there's wisdom in this idea that if we all thought exactly the same, there would be no need for anyone else. So let's have a conversation and let's get nuanced. So, uh, to, Hi to, to do uh, the, the Wayne's World, five, four, three. Hi, guys. <laughs> Welcome back to Nuance Beauty. You couldn't see Bill doing a very gesticulated countdown with a rolling point back to you. Well, I mean, if you haven't seen Wayne's World 2, why are you listening to us? Turn this off and go watch Wayne's World 2. Yes. And there's a, a running joke in the background of the, the non-professional tv producers learning how to do professional things like how you do a countdown into action because yeah and you know, that, is, that is what it's, this it's is heavily technical what thank we do you guys here. thank you guys for sticking through our uh learning curve <laughs> uh it's a uh, it's such a beautiful day and it's uh it's gonna be after the holiday before uh you guys listen to this but but it's just before just, the holiday just for before us. the holiday now we thought we'd do something light and fun so we're gonna talk about death um yeah. Because that's come up in a conversation we were having. Uh, uh, so there was a song that came out back in, in 2010 called If I Die Young uh, by the band Pair. It was a huge hit on the, on the country charts. And the song was uh, something of a, a prayer about uh, this young girl considering uh, what life would be like if she were to die young. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, a, in, a, in a kind of romantic to, to, oh, romanticization romanticization uh, of, of death uh, it, it was a very beautiful song uh, and it was one of those kind of like tear jerky sort of songs but it, it, it wasn't it, it was, came out in 2010 2010 it's kind of a melancholic and I remember hearing it and sending it to a friend of mine and she being very upset because she interpreted it as uh, as idealizing suicide mm-hmm. Um which, which it wasn't, I, I went and looked. Uh, it was just about kind of what, what would it be like were if I, to, I die were young, to die young, yeah. which is a thing that I feel like is, is common in artists, in like the Enneagram 4 type uh, yeah. you know, tragic hero artists. Yeah, for sure. And even just in life in general, we all have those moments where we're like, oh, what if I like died? Yeah, and, and I think most this people when they, more... they think that or it's like, oh man, that would kind of suck, wouldn't it? Or they, you know, thinking thinking uh, yeah, the opposite. But I think this yeah. was more of like uh, uh, fantasizing about it. Yes. And there is uh, this like. Um, well, have you ever heard of the twenty seven list? No, I haven't. So the twenty seven list is a bunch of artists who all died at the age twenty seven. There's a weird amount of them. Okay. Uh, Kurt Cobain, Jimi Hendrix, Jim Morrison, Amy Winehouse. The list kind of goes on. Wow. Of these of these famous artists all dying at twenty seven. So there's something there's something to this this focus on on death for for someone who is heavily artistic. 
Yeah, and then like, I, yeah, I also just think in general, like, uh, the kind of, um, geez, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. Like this, uh, not infatuation, but like not the opposite I think of infatu- that. Yeah, I guess there's an infatuation, but then there's also like, um, oh, so much, lo- so much lost potential, like this Mm -hmm. like melancholy grieving and it is like it's grieving the expectations that you're going to live to be old and we also like want to chase like being able to live forever i mean like look at the books like tuck everlasting or uh the age of adeline like they yeah there's there's a lot in like the the super villain space about wanting to live forever this there's, there's a fascination to it why are we talking about this uh let, let me go back to that real quick because there's that song and that song was great it was oh, a beautiful yes. song and so what and brought us to this this artist uh, the, the band actually broke up but uh the the woman who wrote the song wrote a if i die young part two mm-hmm. where it's 14 years later and she didn't die young and she is has this like hope or like a well, different storyline. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's, there's a level of I'm so glad that I didn't because here is my life now. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought the song was actually about suicide. Uh, the first time around. And even yeah, when you listen to it this time. Around, time. When I listen to it this time, I think, oh, this is such a beautiful encouragement to uh, someone saying, yes, I was, I was, I was there. Uh, and I'm so glad I didn't make that choice. Yeah. Because I've had time to bloom. Yeah, it's, it's and kind like, of the hook of the song. Like the the hook of the first song is you know the sharp knife of a short life. It's like this this dark like oh you, the night the life cuts short by the sharp knife. Now it's, you know I've had time to bloom, and now here are my perspectives. Here's and all how they, like how yeah they like the the love like falling in love and having like a daughter. And there's also Being, like you know the best line is the like now I know that there's never enough time. Right, because in the in the first song it's. You know, I've had just enough time. Like, I am ready for death. And kind of this, like, uh, tragic, like, bitterness. Um, you know, I've had enough time. But no, no, I, I know that I haven't had enough time. There's so much more to life and so much more uh, to, you know, what I'm here for. And, you know, in uh, the first song, there's, uh, you know, this image of uh, the mom having to bury the daughter. And in the second song, it's saying, oh, I'm really going to miss my mom when she passes because now they're is an assumption thinking about yeah her mom passing first go in the natural order of things Mm -hmm. um you know i'm so glad i passed my name down before it was on a tombstone it still it still has some like dark tone because it is uh you know following the southern gothic kind of genre of uh of art yeah Uh, but i think like uh well we didn't even get to the question because you opened with the funny like but i think for me like the question for this episode to ponder is how do you reckon with death yeah, what's your relationship with, with death? Because this person obviously had a, a almost a fetishization of death. There's a romanticization And of then death. there's a changed perspective uh, that she shares that she in shares. this. And for me, when I was like reflecting on how do I reckon with death, um, I was kind of like thinking back and I I I don't I don't dwell on the idea of death and it doesn't I, I've never had anxiety about dying. Mm-hmm. Like Um, I had a friend who was sharing that like in her early to mid twenties, she really had a lot of anxiety about death. And I kind of like, it was, it was one of those moments where it's like, I don't relate to you at all in this. Like, I don't, I don't even know where to go with that. Cause Mm -hmm. like, that is not something that bothers me or concerns me. I'm not afraid of death, like, and that sort of thing. And I still think that I, I don't have a, a fear of death, but I do have this concern for living. I have a draw toward life. 
And I have like this um, now being married for many years and having two sons, like I have this sense of like, oh, but if I died, like where, like, I know that you guys you have would a be sense fine. of responsibility to live. Yeah, a responsibility and a draw to like mm-hmm. be here. <laughs> and not that I was like, I, I wouldn't say that I got to like a, you know, a level of super depressed, like I don't have a draw to be here. It just, should you have a fear of death is that a healthy fear i don't think so and that's where it's hard for me is because like i couldn't relate to that but i also have a strong like you shouldn't fear death like it's in my there's a weird mind uh you know it's it's so central to scripture the not necessarily fear of death but the um uh yeah sure a fear of death so much of scripture surrounds how do i achieve everlasting life Mm-hmm. Like that is that is the thing that you should be concerning yourself with mm-hmm. uh, with through the time that you're living. Yeah. Uh, and I've never really found that all that uh, compelling uh-huh. uh, because I, I don't I barely like being alive now. Why do I want to do this forever? Uh, you know. Right. And there's like there's but, like but that said, if, go ahead. you know, through scripture saying, oh, yeah, you, you should live a good life now. So that uh, and if you don't have a fear of death. Uh, or any belief of an afterlife, why would you do anything at all right now? Yeah. So I I, I don't think, uh, you know, fear might be an overly strong word, but I, I don't think it's wrong or, uh, or I do think it, it is a good thing to, to reckon with the, the idea of your death. Yeah. And the idea of like, uh, you're not everlasting, mm-hmm. like you, you're not infinity, but then that leads into like, for us, being Christians. And when you look at it from a Christian lens, like the story of the Bible is about a creation. It's about a fall. And we are now in the tension of redemption because post Christ arriving and um, like everything that he said in the new Testament, the good news of Christ's arrival and the love that he stood in our place for death. That's like the redemption story part. And then there's the new creation part which is like not here. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of folks like they, they put uh, I think some emphasis on the like heaven part mm-hmm. almost to a, like, not almost to the exclusion of living, living a worthwhile life today. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And, and that's, that's always been my issue with uh, your know, mainstream Christendom of, and, and, and Jesus says this, he talks about laying up stores in heaven and not on earth, but also you were given this life yeah. on purpose. Yeah. And so to to completely uh, you know, dismiss what's the, here and now, right, in favor of what's next. I mean, that's something we try to teach our kids of you know, so focus on what's next that they aren't you know being here now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that that idea of reckoning your death does just permeate through. I don't want to say all because I don't know it all, but a number of different faith traditions. And that's something big. And there's a whole chapter of be here now dedicated to. Uh, ritualistically dying to yourself and in 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 scripture talks about you can only be saved if you were died died and rose again we talked about classical stoicism a while back part of it is the whole memento mori uh you know you one day you will die Mm -hmm. Uh, and doing that isn't meant to evoke fear as much as it's to evoke a sense of urgency to live your life well yeah and maybe even maybe even some gratitude and gratitude like a potential for gratitude because you are here right Mm -hmm. now today you're alive and that matters yeah i think that's what the the second the part two of the song is really trying to emphasize this uh, rather than this focus on death uh 
and the the beauty of that because again beautiful song uh it is it is even more so beautiful to live a good life now in the present mm-hmm. well and we had kind of also like as we were chatting that one day uh we brought up like uh this concept of like your orientation to time mm-hmm. and the point being that we are kind of wired a little differently and some people are more so they reflect on the past and that's how they live their life. And there are some, in my case, who are three steps ahead, always projecting the future and trying to plan for the future, negate issues, think three steps ahead. And then there are some who are actually able to like kind of sort of be in the present. But um, we had tensions in the past because I was so forward and I'm thinking that ahead and I'm very much oriented towards the past. Yeah. I, 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 I consider, if I think about how I live my life, I live my life as though walking backwards along a path. Uh-huh. So I don't know where I am or what's happening like right now. I don't know what's happening right now uh, until after I've passed that thing. And, you know, if I, if I uh, were doing this by myself, I'd probably fall in a hole somewhere. So I'm really grateful to be married uh, <laughs> and to you in particular. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't really know what's happening right now, and I'm going to reflect on it later. I'm probably going to have something like insightful and interesting to say because I've, you know, if you, if you look into the past, you can look into the past for forever uh-huh. um, and consider things and reflect on things. And you have kind of all the data you can do that with and just kind of sit and reflect on it and maybe have something worthwhile to bring to the table having done that. Yeah. In the meantime, you know, there's a, oh, I don't know what this is from, uh, but it might might have been Harry Potter uh, where it says, you know, you don't know uh, – that those were the good old days until they're past. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm very much oriented to the past. Maybe that's why this idea of like, oh no, you need to plan for this future and, and orient yourself towards the, your ultimate demise. I'm like, I don't just find that very compelling because that's just so in the opposite direction for me. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I'm, I'm more in the future, but I, I, I'm here and I, I wouldn't allow the thought of death to consume me or fixate on it. At mm-hmm. least I haven't, you know, thus far in yeah. life. And I don't think for either of us, it's a level. Well, to, to just finish the thought on the orientation of time in, in Enneagram teaching, it, it does not make a value judgment about uh, orientation towards the past, orientation towards the future or the present. Right. It, it is just it's just a fact that is true that people are, are like how you observe uh, things. However, and- in scripture. And in Buddhist teaching, the whole book's called Be Here Now. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and Jesus says, you know, why worry about tomorrow? Today has enough problems unto itself. Like he talks about being in the present. There actually is a value judgment placed in these faith traditions uh, for being for present. For being present, yeah. So, you know, the, the threes, the sevens, and the ones, is that the, the present? No, seven eights and uh, seven no, and eights go together with future but you just said three sevens i, I was trying recall. to think of who the, who the people who are oriented towards the present a six they actually have some things going on uh that that are are maybe very positive mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and being able to be present because it's very difficult to be present and it's also very valuable to be present yeah at least for me anyway yeah well and so then there's like this other thing that uh we were processing um was when we had our kiddo we being um, out in Seattle without any family, uh, we had an opportunity to do this like guardian, like legal guardian uh, workshop. And it was a free mm-hmm. workshop um, where you sat down with a legal team. Um, it was like just a, you know, a younger married couple. Mm-hmm. 
and they helped you produce documents for like if you pass away and your kids are left behind, um, who would take care of your kids to try and make that transition more smooth. And um, from that, we did end up uh, doing like yeah, a it was whole... a, it was a free workshop where you walked out of there with the, the full paperwork for guardianship. But mm-hmm. while you were doing that with them, they had a very soft and very perspective, uh, respectful, respectful yeah. uh, sales pitch for the rest of their services, which includes setting up wills and trusts and things like that. Yeah, which, because they were they seemed like good people. Uh-huh. Uh, and that mattered really more than anything in that moment. Uh, yeah, we decided to go ahead and work with them yeah. to set up a will and trust. And um, like we're, you know, we are in our in our mid 30s. And like <laughs> we did this in our late 20s. And so it was actually pretty easy. And like I noticed sometimes when like the folks that we chatted with about like legal guardianship, I think they had a little more like tension on the idea i mean there is a brevity to it right there's a brevity gravity, to, gravity. there's a gravity mm-hmm. to like yeah if this actually happened like thinking about it is really kind of depressing i guess but um it wasn't that hard but meanwhile like more recently my my dad and i have been chatting about him and like a will for him like he was he brought it up and like because statistically speaking he is closer to the end than we are I would I would almost encourage anyone listening who's in the younger stage of life to get that stuff set up now because it's like you're younger. It's easier to think about this stuff because it it feels less probable. Yeah, I don't think when we did it we were uh you know deeply meditating on our own mortality. Yeah. I think uh it checked a box. Yeah, and logistics. There was a level of orderliness and, like and this stewardship is, this and caring stewardship. for our kids. This is what is appropriate. We you know for we have, we have we have a kid, it was one at the time. Uh, and these are the, you know, if you look at the checklist of things you're supposed to have when you have a kid, you need life insurance, you need a will, you need you know, what I'm, there's, there's things. And those, so it's more of like, oh, this is orderly. This is responsible more so than, oh no, but what if, but what if, what if this happens? Uh-huh. Oh, no, what's going to happen if this happens? Yeah. Um, and even like, I, I contemplate your death far more than I contemplate my own. Uh-huh. And, you know, we have life insurance. So I'm going to be so loaded if you don't. So like, I'm going to be all right. I'm going to be all right. I, I think I could, I think I can rock the, the handsome young widower uh-huh. uh, uh, role. I think I'd, I'd nail that one. Oh uh, my gosh. Yeah. I, I did talk to my dad about, uh, about when they pass and I, I didn't get very much information, but I, I really, I was, I was asking about his house. Because I, he had done a number of renovations to the house. And I know some of them aren't, strictly speaking, legal. So I didn't know what those things are. They're not to code. Sure. It's not that they're illegal. They're not I, to I, code. Tomato, tomato. Me, more appropriate word. If I'm going to sell this house one day, I need to know where the bodies are buried. Not literally. <laughs> so that I can put this like, house in order. Yeah. Fix uh, the for handful sale. of things or hire someone to do any electrical And also, like, now that whatever. I've owned a house or two, I know a little bit how houses work. And I'm interested. These are things I just, like, took for granted that my dad did stuff. Uh-huh. I don't know what he did. There's something to do with a barrel. Um, yeah. And so like, I was actually legitimately interested about the infrastructure of the house. But also I told him, yeah, I need to know this so that, you know, when you guys kick it someday, uh, I think it was more gentle than that, but not much. Uh-huh. Uh, and he was he was actually kind of upset. I was like, oh. Because he, I don't think, it, it, it is contemplating his mortality in the same way. Oh, so he, was, which is... he was really caught off guard by that. Yeah, but he's closer to it. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, and I I feel like there's another point that we could discuss about um our kiddos mm-hmm. and like how, you know, they're they're very young. Like they're not like really thinking about the end. Mm-hmm. But we lost a cat in December. 
and um zeke is like six which again like he's pretty young right so the idea of like the ending is like not really in there Mm -hmm. but one bedtime we were talking and oh gosh it was something about like i I was telling him that like you have to be kind with your brother or like your brother is going to be with you the longest like like he'll be like your brother like for much longer you'll have a long relationship with him he's like yeah but he won't be my brother after he dies and and i'm like no, he'll he'll still be your brother. Like he's still your brother even when he dies or when mama and papa pass away. We're still mama and papa. Do you think he perceives Aaron like a pet? I have no idea. Because he's smaller and doesn't speak much yet. No. And so he's like, well, I had this cat. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So <laughs> and the cat died, so Aaron's probably gonna die too, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. No. So at, when I said, like, you know, Ma and Pa, like we'll always be your mama and papa, even after we're gone. And then there was like silence for a moment. And then he said, can we get a new cat? <laughs> and then I'm like, oh. That was his first experience in death. So that's, that was, and we had, yeah, we didn't sugarcoat that. We didn't tell him that the cat went to a farm upstate. Like, no, this is It something was interesting is though, how many questions he did ask, like, well, what happened? Like the kitty, like, cause the kitty had like some sort of form of cancer. She was not an old cat. She was like kitty eight cancer, or nine. Spelled with a K. And it was in her intestinal tract or pushing up against it. And so he was like, well, like, did we do like what, like, did we do everything we needed to do sort of things? Like he was asking questions about like, oh, maybe if I was nicer to her or maybe like this and that, because we stressed the cat out. And Oh, I didn't know he said that. At one point he did. Yeah. But he was he trying through, to like he went troubleshoot the, the, the stages. Yeah. Like he's trying to troubleshoot like how it could not be the end. Like if he did everything like right. What and... a... I'm reading Zeke Harry Potter right now. And Harry Potter, the, one of the central themes is death in Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it, And it starts right in the beginning, obviously, with Harry. You know, his parents are uh, are dead right there in the first chapter. But, you know, Dumbledore, said, and man, he has, he has some bangers on death to the series. So he says in that first book, you find out Nicholas Flamel is going to pass spoilers on Harry Potter and Sorcerer's Stone. Uh-huh. Uh, he said, to the well-organized mind, death is but the next great adventure. So we're having this conversation about death, me and Zeke. Uh-huh. And in the third book, you know, uh, you know, they're talking about, you know, Harry's still mourning his parents. And he says, oh, do you think, uh, do you think the death, the dead really leave us? Don't you think they come uh, through more sharply in times of, of pain and trouble? I'm, I'm butchering that quote, but it's something like that. Or mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm curious what's going to happen because we're reading uh, Goblet of Fire right now. Yeah, you're to the hard book now. Yeah, well, there's, there's deaths that happen off screen. Yeah, uh, the first three, but this is the first on-page death at the end of Goblet of Fire. Yeah, uh, and it's a it's a minor character. Uh-huh. Uh huh. That you know, you know, so you're not overly like in love. Like, yeah, you're not overly developed and committed. No, like, you, in your you, mind. Don't, you don't really get heartbroken until Sirius dies. I think. Yeah. Um, spoilers again. Ah. <laughs> uh, Books well, been out for I'm, like two decades, yeah, think, so if you haven't right. read it, like uh, whatever. But th- this, these have been opportunities to have conversations about about death. Uh, with zeke uh-huh. um, and i wonder if you know reading those at such a young age has really affected i really uh shaped my view of death uh throughout it uh-huh uh, throughout my in life your teen years yeah and then i like i think like ki- um kids like zeke is processing things and zeke speaks what he thinks um like always there's mm-hmm. never not a moment <laughs> but like um kids have the, i think the ability to be more cavalier about it and not in a calloused cavalier but in a 
innocent cavalier. Yeah, kind of they are forever presented with these are things how they are, and they have no choice but to accept those things. They're children. Uh-huh. So when you present death to them, it's like, oh, this is just another thing that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of interesting. Yeah, they're they're learning everything about the world all at once. Uh, so they're not going to question this anymore, and they question whatever else we tell them. I mean, eventually they'll learn about Santa Claus. I mean, they ask why We need lot, to have an but... episode on Santa Claus. Oh, gosh. Santa Claus. We'll think about that. But okay. what else we got? You got any other closing well, thoughts on that? We're we're... Yeah, we're wrapping on time. So I have uh, to, to keep my theme with Harry, of Harry Potter. The last thing Dumbledore says on Oh, yeah. Is don't pity the dead, Harry. Pity the living. And above all, pity those who live without love. One of the the uh, the points made throughout a lot of the books I've read is, is not to get so consumed with the thought of death that you forget to live. And love. And love. All right. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you aren't already following us, please follow us on your Spotify or Apple podcast account and uh, look us up on Instagram at nuance underscore beauty until next week.